Welcome to the Nursing Home Podcast, your go-to source for professional insights in the long-term care industry. Hear from leaders and experts as they share current and practical insights to help make the most of your day. I've been a long-term care financial specialist. What that means is I help people plan for the inevitable. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to think about getting old, but it's possible that someday we might need a little bit of care. Here's your host, nursing home administrator turned podcaster, Shmuel Septimus. Okay, welcome to a live edition, a live recording of the Nursing Home Podcast. I'm sure many people in the healthcare industry are not at home and certainly don't have the time to listen to the podcast now, and you'll catch this later. But to all those of you who are catching this notification in your LinkedIn or your Facebook feed, um, and you are working from home, as both of us are right here, despite my fancy green screen behind me, uh, <laughs> which might disguise that, uh, just means that my natural back background is so much less acceptable than Ari's right now. This <laughs> is why it must be covered up. But for those of you, so most of us are, are, you know, our lives have been just dramatically changed this week. And you've heard from everyone that you ever connected with on any level, uh, a million reasons of, you know, of things to do, things not to do, the opportunities, the challenges, the struggles. We're not here to do that today. Uh, you can, you know, refer to other places for that today. Uh, we want to focus on a unique problem that exists in general in the nursing home operations and is specifically compounded today with the coronavirus that is so rampant, unfortunately, in the United States right now and how, you know, how dangerous it is in the facilities that it exists right now to the point where very few the facilities are every state has different regulations as to who's allowed in who's not allowed in um, but there are very few visitors that are actually um, that are actually coming into the facilities so even before we go into any of that I want to welcome Ari Shabbat to the thank nursing you. home podcast thank you so much for joining us today Ari good to be here today from home <laughs> from home exactly so you know, this is how we're fighting. We're, you know, we're stopping the spread by staying at home, which for some people, it might be enjoyable. Some people, um, it might be challenging because we have lots of others to spend the time with. Um, it's also an opportunity. Uh, but even before we go too far in here, so I am, I know that uh, I don't know very, very much about your past. I know that you've been a nursing home administrator for a number of years. So you're obviously very familiar with the challenges, the struggles and opportunities uh, that exist in this industry, and you've gone on and and you know founded a software company, which we'll talk about in a minute. But if you don't mind, I, I really like when our listeners and today our viewers have a an idea of who they're speaking to. They know who I am already. So tell us a little bit the short version of your professional trajectory that brought you to your company, where which you founded recently. No problem, no problem. Well, I'm a, I'm a long-term care lifer. Um, I grew up in. Uh, in facilities, my dad owned two facilities growing up, so I was the kid, you know, rollerblading up and down the halls and <laughs> getting, uh, you know, knitted sweaters. 
and uh, and really all my all my being administrator when I was 21. Um, worked as an administrator for a number of years, but um, you know, really my trajectory was because of all the time I spent in the nursing homes. There was there was no way I was going to be in long term care, right? Like we all do. But I got married young and was finishing my master's in marketing. Uh, you know, when I was 24, but got married at 21, and it was like, okay, dad, you know, temporary job. I just need it for a little while. And I don't course, really need you, know, you for this, once, but you know, once long-term care gets its grips on you, you know, it doesn't let go easily. And, uh, and once you get the chance to help people in the way that we do, it's, it's hard to let go too. So, um, I was an administrator for seven years and then had the ability to, uh, to open a long-term care pharmacy. Um, we operated that for 11 years, ultimately, uh, at the time being the largest independent, uh, long-term care pharmacy in, uh, in Illinois, in the Midwest. And, uh, that in the process had this idea of um, and uh, and really taking what is uh, you know unquestionably one of the most painful processes in long-term care um, and really kind of you know putting a you know putting a pin in it and really getting a, a sense of you know a broken process and we've fixed so many things around long-term care but right now you, you say the word admissions process to anybody and they go oh yeah, oh, exactly. Right? right. So, uh, so there, there had to be a better way, and uh, and it, it's been fun to try to explore what that looks like. Okay. So, first of all, thank you for that very full uh, background. Yeah, no I would say uh, lots of things that you shared there um, I, I was not aware of, and it's good to have a new appreciation for the person that I'm already speaking with. All right. Well, here we are. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and sharing that with uh, with our listeners and viewers of today and tomorrow. Um, so let's talk specifically about the about the process, the admissions process. So a new resident comes into a facility. Um, they come in sometimes under somewhat tumultuous circumstances. That's right. And sometimes their life was just like our lives were normal, maybe just a few days or a few weeks ago. Yeah. And but all of a sudden, a member of their family falls, maybe breaks a hip, ends up in a acute care facility. And now is being told that, you know, they have two hours to decide where they're going to spend the next few weeks and potentially the rest of their lives. And, you know, they come in there and they're still in a whirlwind. And they, the first place they actually sit down and spend a moment and is kind of helps them with the transition is in that admission person's office. And they're throwing more papers at them than you get when you're closing on a multi-facility property. Yeah. <laughs> and, and just you got to sign all this stuff and it's explained the urgency of getting it done immediately because we cannot begin treatment. We cannot begin medication. We cannot, we cannot give you therapy. Nothing's going to happen until all this is done. And we're not really going to explain it. Just here, sign this, here, sign this, here, sign that. And we hope that we get the right people in the room with them and the right people to assume responsibility for the right things. And it can be a disjointed process where the admissions uh, personnel are chasing down the paperwork sometimes for for a long time, and the results and the you know the ramifications of not getting it done properly sometimes can be uh, quite severe or disastrous from a financial standpoint, from a care standpoint, okay. from an emotional standpoint. Um, having the wrong person, the one with the restraining order, be the one to sign the person in, and now that's the only person <laughs> the facility will talk to. I mean, <laughs> you know what I'm uh, talking about, uh, right? Exactly. <laughs> it's it's actually even one level deeper because i'll 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 pick up on the word emotional that you used and Mm -hmm. what what most people don't think about is you know take yourself to the 
put yourself in the in the you know in the, in the shoes of the family and the resident, right? So they get out of the ambulance, they get out of the med car, they start heading up to the front door of the facility, and right, they're about to cross the threshold, they're about to walk in. We don't think about that moment often, but how are they feeling? Oftentimes, it's fear. It's I swore I would never get in here. I can't believe this is happening to me. Um, son, daughter, you swore you would take care of me at home. Son and daughter, I promised I would take care of you at home. This is not. This is how they're feeling before they cross the threshold. And the reality is, is this is not like sometimes. This is every time, right? And then they do, and then they cross the threshold and they walk in, and the building is much more beautiful than they expected because we've we've done a nice job of doing that. And the staff are really wonderful people. They wouldn't be there if they uh, if if they didn't if they didn't care. And they get the resident, you know, down the hall into one hundred and nine bed two, and they bring in the nurse and they introduce the nurse, and maybe they write their name on the whiteboard, right? And then in comes the social service lady, and like slowly their tension comes from like eleven to ten point five to ten, and they start thinking, you know, maybe this isn't the hell that I quite imagined it was. And then again, like you described more often than not, the next move is, well, we need the consent to treat and we need to fill out the documents. We need to it. So they're like, we'll pull the family back to the admissions office and leave mom alone in the room, or we'll sit with mom herself for 60 to 90 minutes and go through a bucket load of papers. And, 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 at, and how, how are they feeling then? They're like, oh, tension back up to 11. This is exactly the hell that I imagined. And like everything, our first impression colors the rest of our experience. And where that, you know, that impression could have been, wow, this place is so warm and friendly and nice. It's now like, oh, I knew it. I knew it. I knew that this is going to be hell. Wow. And we want why we have reputation we have. The reality is, is like we welcome people in, confirm their greatest fears in the first hour we have them there. And, and we're done for Wow. Wow. I've never heard that explained so well. I mean, you really take, you really take somebody through the process. Um, first of all, even for, for those of us that are healthcare providers in any capacity, when, when that stretcher sometimes is coming through the, you know, through the front door and you're waving to the person there, no matter what they've been through in their lives, no matter what their professional, you know, personal backgrounds are or have been, it's a traumatic experience. If we imagine ourselves on that stretcher, yeah. right, right, right now we're the healthy, you know, healthcare professional, we're the healthy service service provider, or the healthy fellow visitor who's just wondering, is that stretcher going in or out? And if we stop for a moment and think what that person must be going through, I mean, this is bigger than just nursing homes, right? This is with any individual in any situation, but specific to our conversation, it's imagine that person what they're going through at that moment. And even just a, a simple thing, as instead of seeing them as an item on a stretcher, it's a human being in there. And this is someone who's going through a traumatic experience. I would say even just, just stopping and saying, you know, hello, welcome, um, addressing the fear, you know, the smallest thing, as even though, like you said, the stress level is 11 and they're really, really concerned and they're worried. But the small things really start bringing it down dramatically. It does. It, when that nurse comes in who's overwhelmed and she just told the other family member that these guys are crazy. They gave me 22 patients and I'm the only nurse. But if, even with all that and with all the other challenges that we know that do exist, stop for that extra moment and 
acknowledge them and make them a little bit more comfortable yeah and and and, you know acknowledge address their fears could go a long way but then like you said you know then it could start re-escalating very quickly until they learn you know until the relationship is a little bit more sturdy yeah to your point to your point if you think about people in your life that you trust it's not somebody that made this like big grand gesture and they're like, Oh wow. I, I bought you a Ferrari. I trust you. It doesn't really work like that. It's, it's a, it, it's that trust is built in very small moments of people showing up for you again and again and again. So to your point, if you're trying to build trust with a resident, when they first get there, that welcome goes a long way that, that as they're walking down the hall, people are saying, hello, don't worry. We're going to take care of you goes a long way. And not putting those re-traumatic experiences in front of them goes a long way. It's going to be a conglomeration of multiple small moments through their first several time, you know, several days that they're there that are really going to get them comfortable and get them in that sense where it's going to be okay. Got it. Got it. Yeah, no, that is definitely true. And re- which really means that you can't buy trust, like you just said. You know, yeah, you, can't you can't just give someone a Ferrari, then they trust you. you it goes in the nursing home and in the business world in general. You can't go buy your customer something very big and large and assume that all of a sudden they're going to be loyal to you and they're going to assume that you always have their best interests in mind that's just just simply not how it works and it goes for staffing also i've observed in a company where they're staffing uh employee appreciation sometimes you know we can give something grand but you know sometimes people will say sometimes a, a something grand or even just a bump in a paycheck doesn't go nearly as far as a Starbucks card when you notice them coming in and on a day that you knew was difficult for them. Because 100%. like you said, and, and obviously financially that could work too, but, but really it's not just about the money. There were times I gave sometimes a raise to an employee. Sometimes to, you know, you give them a $2 raise. We're talking, you know, $4,000 you know, over the year. And that, that's quite a significant raise. And especially if they weren't expecting it or we were just adjusting the rates and nothing, you know, okay, whatever. Not, not even noticing a small bump in the paycheck. But you go out of your way and you show a small thing to them where you notice their challenge and act on it, then it goes a long way. Which, right. So let's jump into this. Why is it, is it really necessary? Before I'm going to give you a hard time here a little bit. Let's um, make it exciting. Is it really necessary to have such a complex sign-in process without technology? Is there a way of eliminating or streamlining it in a way that would be less stressful, uh, more streamlined, even before applying a software solution to it? Like, is, is there a reason why it has to be such a process? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, if you can open a third window here, and we can drop either state regulators or CMS uh, in there so we can ask them the question, you and I would both have a lot of fun with that. But the reality is, is that, you know, every state's got its own regulations. The federal government has their own regulations. And let's be real, every facility's got its own attorney group or its own in-house attorney that wants things done in just a certain way. Um, Certainly we've learned through the software is there's not two facilities, there's not two corporations that have the same agreement, even when there's a state council or something like that, everybody has tweaked it and customized it to have it how they want it to protect themselves in the best way that they can. So can it be done? Sure. Um, but it would take a Herculean effort and it would take, you know, certainly regulators across, uh, across the, uh, the spectrum to get on board with kind of creating a, uh, a universal contract. That'd be, that'd be amazing. Let's do it. 
So, so okay. So let me understand. So basically, <laughs> what you're saying is that it's it's a complex process. Um, when when you're t dealing with human beings, so it's different than automobiles and real estate, and the, not just on an emotional level or a spiritual level, but just from a liability standpoint, the, the facility is taking responsibility for this person. So, it, 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 you know, there's the state regulations, the local county, city regulations, the policies within the, that facility, or if they're part of a larger corporation, um, so there's a lot of it that is, there's, and, and so there's a lot of um, T's to cross and I's to dot. I usually get that mixed up. Um, in order to ensure that let's go move forward and start, you know, caring for this patient. That's right. And because, and because of that, and because of that, um, there is even within a company. I mean, I've, I have been involved. I'm remembering now as we're speaking, in in working on the admissions agreement and trying to put it. You know, within a corporation, let's say, right? You have a corporation, you have 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 facilities. They can say that all the facilities in this state, this is your new admission packet, just like they try to do with the employee handbook. That's which right. Is, I, which, uh, maybe that should be your next project, but maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe you're doing it already. Maybe that'll be my next project. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but the point is, you know, there's constantly tweaking it. So basically, the short answer is it's complex, it's customized. It has to be customized um, because unless we're going to get the entire country, let's say, on the same page, um, at the end of the day, it's easier to create a software solution to this than to than to streamline it because streamlining it really is it's not really uh, that feasible. Right. Simple as that. In other words, if you have a super aggressive, uh, wet behind the ears a person who's super excited to be in and long-term care like I was when I started. And um, and all they want to do is help out. And they say, you know what, this admissions process, and they spoke to the residents and the family members, the admissions coordinator, everyone's frustrated for all the reasons that, you know, that we discussed earlier, and plus the emotional, you know, stress that's involved. So they said, we want it to be a simple process. We're going to come there, and we're going to make a very simple thing. And actually, I'm thinking, you know, we've done things like that, but it's still a big packet, and there's still a lot of yep. places to sign. And it's still stressful for whoever is the one going through all that to make sure you don't miss even one thing because you don't want to come later when you're in an emergency situation and, you know, the resident is coding, so to speak. And and you're not sure did they sign their advanced directives form, did they sign the healthcare proxy and you find that or you find the consent to treat was never signed. And then there was an adverse event that occurred. And now you have the families of attorneys that are coming, their claws are there after these big, rich nursing home companies that they want to just pull everything out of them because they shouldn't you have got it. to begin with. You got it. You got it. And all of that hinges currently on a bunch of papers that are usually either put into a file cabinet or scanned up onto an iPad. And that's it. And, and I've gone, I mean, I remember now that after the fact, going through a business office, desperately looking for an admissions agreement that went missing. Yep. And, yep. and you know, and something happened, financial or clinical or something happened that it became critical. And the last thing we want to tell corporate or the families is that uh, we forgot to do it. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it's a, it doesn't matter if it's a lawyer, a lawsuit. It doesn't matter if it's a surveyor. It doesn't matter if it's a DNR that you're looking for in the chart. 
it's all the it's all the same process right now. If you're if you're doing it on paper, then you're going and you're sifting through, um, you know, you're sifting through a file cabinet, or maybe you scanned it up and you dropped it into your EHR, and now you're flipping through it in your EHR, wondering page after page, is it going to be the next one? Is it going to be the next one? Or maybe you have an arbitration agreement and you don't know whether it got signed or not, and you get the lawsuit comes in the mail, right? And you're like, oh, we got a lawsuit for. So and so, well, let's pull their chart and you pull it and you flip through the pages of the pages and, and then you have one of two responses, right? You get to the arbitration agreement, and you're like, ah, ah, yeah. Like, or or it's like, ah, ah, no, oh, like that's but that's that's what we go through right now. That's that's the only way we know because everything is so manual. And then now you're talking about like your 50 group facility, right? And it's like you're you're not dealing with three buildings, you're dealing with 50 buildings, and like like how do you sleep at night to know like what got done, what didn't get done? You know, the, in some of the research that we did when we first got this started, we did a we did a survey. You'll love this. We did a survey, and we were trying to figure out um, accuracy, accuracy and completion, accuracy and completion. What percentage were accurate and complete? So we did a large survey, and we went through, and people gave us access to, to flip through their uh, their stuff. We signed a you know a HIPAA agreement, BAA, so that we we could do it. Um, guess what the percentage was that were accurate and complete? Don't, I hope you don't say zero. Zero percent. <laughs> zero percent. And and at that point, it's like it's like how, how's this even possible? And 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 the reality is, is that most people think they're doing a pretty good job. And they've got some systems, and most people do have some pretty good systems, especially if you're a good operator. You got to make sure you get paid, you got your screenings, your pre auths, and so on and so forth. It's required. It's a different world right now than it was, you know, even five, 10 years ago. But the reality is, is like we're, st it's still relying on, um, you know, the clerks that are in the building to make complex decisions and to follow multiple protocols to make sure that the right people get the right documents and the right things get put into the right sections of the chart. And, and it's, it's complex, it's complex and it's very, very manual, wow. very manual. And it's not happening and, and it's it, never happening. And, it's, and, it, and it's never happening a hundred percent. 100%. Well, how many of them were close to 100%? Did I lose you? I'm still here. You there? Yeah, yeah. I'm Go still ahead. here. I, I would say that every single one of them was, was started. Every single one of them had components that were completed. And every single one of them had either blanks or, or things missing. Oh, wow. Wow. So significant things were missing. Right. And, and, then the, and then the question really is, okay, that's normal. People are running through process. At any given point, I can look at it and go, okay, they didn't get the screening yet. Okay. They didn't run the criminal background check yet. Okay. I mean, the, they're doing their job. That's okay. The problem is, is like, how do you know? How do, how do you know what's missing? How, how do you, they know how what's you operating? They, they right. might flag it, you know, and keep it on their desk, but it gets part. You know, yeah, and then I have, I, have, I, have my, like, I have my screening spreadsheet, and then I have my criminal background spreadsheet, and then I have my, you know, my, my surrogate spreadsheet, my spreadsheet, my QA to follow up with, my spreadsheet with madness. Yeah, I mean, and you're, you're talking about in a – I mean, you're being optimistic here that that there's spreadsheets for all these things and that they're actually oh, I, checking this. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta assume everybody's doing a good job, right? Ultimately, I think that I think that long-term care providers, uh, you know, it's a different world. Um, you have to be to survive right now. You've got to have systems. Yeah, so I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that they are. Um, but you're right; there are there are some that are not. Well, I'll, I'll add to it another component, which I think uh, adds a lot to this, and that is. 
that how is an admissions coordinator judged when it comes time to decide if their you know uh, performance evaluation, not based on Great their question. not based on their admissions paperwork completion. It's based on the admissions they get in the front door. It's based on how That's the it. census is in the building. So when they have a pile of paperwork to be done, and they also have uh, referrals coming in, all the paperwork is it's always secondary at best. Their number one key responsibility is get the you know heads in the bed. You know, get more people in the building. Make sure they come. Make sure they stay. Make sure they're happy. Deal with small issues as they come in. Get them situated and on to the next one. I that, would say that, that I would say that's how they're judged, but how are they let go? They're let go when somebody in AR looks back and goes, "We didn't get paid for seven different patients because we didn't get screening paperwork in, or we got a tag in the facility because we didn't get contracts signed." Right? So, like you're right, th their top priority sure. is get them in, but the way that they get in trouble is when they don't do the lower priority piece. Right? True. Sure. No. True, but, but like day to day, you know, when the, the regional director of the admission comes in, I don't know, and I would come into my admissions people like, okay, what do you have for me today? I didn't ask them totally. how many admissions, uh, you know, how many admissions paperwork did you complete 100% with accuracy today? I would send my business office manager right. there maybe to make sure that between the two of them that they have a process done. And I don't, frankly, I don't want to hear about it. I want to know you guys got this done. No, no, you, you only want to hear about it. That, it, that it's 100%. You never want to hear about right. it because you want it to be 100%. 100%. 100%. It's, 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 when, it's when you find out that it wasn't 100% that suddenly it becomes on your radar and it's a really big deal. And I think, and I think ultimately that if, you, if you've had a solution that allowed you to feel comfortable that it was running at 100%, then you could comfortably let it go and focus in on your census and on your growth, knowing that all of that was just handled. Got it. Got it. So now let's move the conversation further. So so we see that this is a problem that exists every day of the year. This is something that has nothing to do with our current situation. And it's a, it's a serious problem with serious ramifications if it's done incorrectly. And like you tell me from the survey and the data that you've collected that it's, it's pretty much yeah. never done. Right. It's a problem. It's a very real problem. Now add to that today where I think almost every facility is not allowing any visitors at all. Yeah. Um, you know, there are, there are, I even know just from personal experience now, I know people who had babies in the last few days and the husbands are not allowed to go. Children that were sick wow. that had to, you know, send them through an ambulance or a taxi without the parents to the hospital, yeah. small children. It, it's, you know, it's a crazy new existence that we're in and hopefully will be passed in the very near future. But right now, we're and other times when resident family members cannot come to the facility, or maybe they live out of town, or maybe whoever it is that needs that needs that knows the answers to the questions and that has the ability to sign or bring in the documents or do whatever is necessary, cannot be there. So um, this tool becomes even that much more essential. So tell us a little bit about the solution uh, that you and your company have done and yeah. how it how it kind of uh, you know ties this whole process together. Well, the great technology solution that exists right now before Reside is that you would take the contract, you'd scan it up onto an iPad, use something like DocuSign or something like that. Now, in this scenario, what, what would you do and what are people doing? They would take that, they'd send it to the family, they'd say, fill this out at home and get it back to us while we deal with your, with your resident. Mm -hmm. and, and it's great, except the only issue is you've taken a, a, a kind of a long, arduous, difficult, legal contract and you've now handed it to them to do 
by themselves, right? And maybe you can help walk them through on the phone or so on and so forth. But like that, that you know, complex and difficult process we were doing in an admissions coordinator's office, we're now doing remotely. Um, if we thought we were tracking it badly when they were right in front of us, you can imagine how difficult it is to track when they're doing it at home, right? Mm -hmm. And forth and have questions, and so on and so forth. So it's complex. Um, the reside system is really, really unique. Um, what we did essentially was realize two problems. The first problem is the way that we admit residents, right? What we talked about earlier, those feelings that they have and that we're gonna we're gonna somehow pull the resident out of the you know the family out of the resident room and take them down the hall and spend an hour and a half with them while mom's alone in the room, or even if the family's all there together, it's 150 pages of complex documentation. So big idea number one was how do we make this better and more dignified for residents? And the answer mm -hmm. hit me a couple of years ago was who does really complex paperwork well? TurboTax. Your taxes are about as complex as any piece of documentation you'll ever find in a nursing home. But what do they do? They ask you 25 questions, your answers, they complete taxes. So the concept of reside was what if we could take the nursing home contract and we can convert that into 25 questions put that in front of families, allow them to tap through and answer questions, and in the background, complete all the nursing home paperwork. Allow them at that point to read it if they'd like, and then move on from there. And that piece yeah. has been wildly successful in terms of families having a much more dignified approach. There's only one problem with it. The problem is, is that it's really nice and sweet, but nobody's going to buy it because it's nice but we stack pennies in this industry and we can't afford to just do things that are nice. They need business cases. So the second half of reside was, hold on a second. That's the contract. The contract is literally just one piece of the puzzle in an admission. There are so many other steps that need to get taken for an admission to go right. We need to make sure that we've got our screening. We need to make sure we've got our pre-auth. We need to make sure that we've got our criminal background check. Did we ask for a surrogate? Did we get a DNR? Is the DNR in the chart? Where are we holding with it? What percentage of the patients are saying yes to the arbitration agreement? And if they're not, who are we going to talk to? What if somebody says no to laundry? How are we managing that? What if somebody says no to trust fund? How are we managing that? And the list goes on and on and on about the variables that are possible within nursing home admissions. So what we did was we built the dashboard and we create a single unified place for your entire admissions process to live. And it's the same thing for the admissions clerk who's now actually working that admission that every piece that they have to do, all those proverbial spreadsheets are all now in a single place. I'm a regional director and I want to manage six buildings, same dashboard, filter by my six buildings. I can see everything going on at the same time. I'm a corporate office. I got 50 buildings. I can filter exactly the same and see everything going on. I can run exception reports. Show me all the screenings that I'm missing. I can run exception reports. Show me all the criminal background checks that I'm missing. I have full transparency and complete oversight for my admissions process. And you started asking me about how this would be beneficial in this COVID-19 environment. Mm -hmm. right, right now, you can have families answering questions at home that are completing documentation in the background. And the person who's responsible for overseeing it all doesn't even need to be in the building. 
they can also be at home right now, sitting on their dashboard, watching the progress go across from each of the residents, answering questions remotely, and verifying that they've gotten all their pieces of it done, going out and getting screenings, doing background checks, checking it off. And the corporate office, the corporate director of admissions can be sitting at home in their house right now, overseeing all the admissions coordinators across all the buildings. Wow. Fully cloud-based, everything in one place. Wow. That's a different process. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So that's definitely a, a different way of dealing with the, the entire process. It's also, like you say, you know, that you have the business case over there also where you, you know, you have one admission where you, you don't have, let's say, the pre-authorization or something that could, or something for a Medicaid application or there was there were funds or something that the normal questionnaires would catch. Uh, that could, in, in order for someone to pay for a system, they have to see that they're going to either save or make money from the system. Exactly. And, and if it's just going to make it easier for the admissions coordinator, then they're going to say, let them work. That's what they get paid for. Yep. Uh, if it was a larger corporation or an industry with larger profit margins, then maybe there would be an easier conversation. And I know this as your fellow service provider <laughs> to the industry, <laughs> and I've had lots of these conversations. And I also know this, also like you, as a as a you know as a former operator, that those are the types of conversations we have when others. You know, how would you respond to the same conversation if you spoke to yourself of a few years ago, and someone tried to pitch this to you? Yeah. You also would have said, "That's very nice. It's very cool. I don't need another system. I have point click care for my." EHR, and I don't have it there because it's cooler to have it on the computer. I can show you, you know, clinical outcomes. I could show you financial outcomes, and it's also mandatory. That's another reason why it's good to have it there. And that's um, why, and that's why Point Click Care um, has accepted reside into their marketplace. Uh, will where we are integrated with Point Click Care, they also see the value of this product as something above and beyond that will help. Um, streamline a process and then move it right back into point click care. Ultimately, everything that we do is to drive um, things back into point click care so that you continue to move on in your system of record. We're a tool to help you manage your process and then you go right back in. So the minute you get a referral that you're going to accept, you jump in with reside. You process, you're done, put it where it belongs and you continue the process that way. Wow. Well, so a question for you, just uh, maybe from a technical standpoint, it, there's, an ad, there's an advantage. And like you said, I don't know if that was before the show or during the show, but you mentioned that really the, the system works well when both people are there together and working off an iPad or a computer yep. and you're going through all the documentation together and moving step by step through, you watch the progress, you know, in person. But now this is a unique situation where you might have both parts working remotely and it works there as well. What's missing when they're both remotely is the communication between the admissions coordinator and the person, you know, the family member, whoever it is that's doing the documentation. Is there a way built into the system for the facility to communicate, you know, with the person who's working on the documentation? Yeah. So the way resides for for the operator to have a choice, right? So there are some facilities and some of our clients that what they prefer is we we provide an iPad that sits in the facility. All it's got on it is is the reside application, and they can take that and they can walk down the hall to the resident and they can tap through the whole contract with the resident. It and and it's significantly quicker than going through 150 sheets of paper. It was built as well to be fully autonomous, that if a resident or a family was able to do it, 
by themselves. They can sit and tap through the whole thing by themselves on their own device. They can do it in the hospital before they've even been discharged. If they toured the building, they can do it before they even go in for surgery. It has autonomous capabilities and it has the ability to work on it together depending on how you assess that resident and their family. So it was never intended to be 100% autonomous. COVID has forced us to be really 100% autonomous, but it's fully capable. We have, there's no reason why it can't work. Um, mm -hmm. It was just never intended to be 100%. Got it. So, so one of the features that we have built in because autonomy was something that we had in our radar is families have an ability within the experience, within their, their section to ask questions. There's a help flag. They hit the help flag and they're able to type in, um, uh, Medicare as a secondary, what does as a secondary mean? Submit. And then once they submit that question, they'll be able to continue on with their experience. And back in the dashboard, they'll now get a notification that says, oh, Mary Jones asked a question and they tap on it and it says, Medicare is a secondary. What does Medicare as a secondary mean? And now in two separate locations, they're now communicating and I can now follow up as the admissions coordinator and say, hey, I see you had a, I see you had a question about secondary. Let's let's pull let's pull reside back up and let's get real clear on, uh, oh, wow. on help you answer that question. So there is a way for them to communicate and there is a way for them to ask questions because let's get real. This is a it's a complex contract. You know, we're doing it in a way that allows families to do it autonomously in a much simpler way by asking questions and so forth. But we're still a complex industry. Got it. There are going to be questions that they're going to have. So is okay i'm just getting a little into the nuts and bolts because i like this stuff um but is there is there if once this person writes that question is it like some websites have like a chat bot where you can or not a bot where they can actually join the conversation and go back and forth like that or is it just a one-time notification awesome question so it's something that we hope to have in the future have some kind of chat box but the challenge with that again is that every organization is unique so every organization is going to want to answer the questions differently. So Reside can't provide a chat box where we can answer questions about your True. contract. So does the facility, if they're at here, let me let me throw this right back at you. Are they well, going to have a chat? You know, a chat piece. So well, well, I'll tell you this: what Reside could do is Reside can create a Reside type of experience for the facility to fill out. That by tapping through a bunch of questions will create a complex chat bot that can now respond to the family members inquiries here we, here we go <laughs> how about that just a thought are you looking for a job no, I'm no, no not yet. that's not, not a bad idea because and this way that you'll be able to answer most of the questions just yeah, like a facebook it, business page right i think i think in some ways i think in some ways that's possible um i think if they ask you know what are the visiting hours you know certainly that's possible I think when there's when there's more complex question that relates to trust fund and relates to uh, you know Medicare as a secondary and whatever it is, you really don't want standard answers. You want somebody right. who has a who has a pretty good idea and a good picture. And there's a there's a there's a little bit of a sales job in there too to make sure the family feels comfortable. They don't right. want some bot answering me. Right. No, really. I want a human touch to say you're taking care of my you're taking care of me. You're taking my family. You're not stealing all my money. You're not taking everything that I've ever owned that I ever worked for. So going straight bot. No, so actually, really, the, my, my real question was, if there's a way for the admissions person to actually jump into the conversation and text back a response, you know, if she gets that notification, could she then jump in? 
And my, right. my follow-up question was, is there an option like the screen share? I know this was not intended, but maybe for down the road, um, if they can actually jump in. And, and you know, sometimes you might not understand exactly what the question is. And if they could actually join the process live. Or, and this, this could be also, okay, I'm going to shut up soon about no, You know what I like about you? You know what I like about you? You've already accepted the revolution. You're like, yes. this is it. I'm in. You, you saw. Oh. Whatever. How can I revolutionize thinking? Exactly. exactly. Take it to the next step. And and you're right. In other words, I I don't. No one would expect this to already be there because the world that we used to live in was worlds where people used to meet face to face. That that world doesn't exist for the next little while. And I, as has been said many times, when we come out the other side, we're going to reassess. How necessary and vital is it? Do we really have to pay a few hundred dollars and jump on a plane to do certain things that we're used yeah. to doing? And as technology is evolving so quickly, there are so many things, even very complex processes. Uh, like people say, I'm coming up from Florida. I mean, I've had this. I'm sure you've had this too. You know, I'm coming up from Florida to sign my, my husband, wife, mom, or dad into the facility. But nowadays, you could settle them in maybe from home. Uh, maybe it's, it will be nice. You want to schedule a visit. You want to spend time with them. But from the technical facility standpoint, that might not be necessary anymore. Right. Well, here's what I here's what I would encourage. If you know, if I if if I take my entire life of long term care, and I and I try to find like like ultimately the heart of it all. The heart of it all is that is that we in long term care we care. We wouldn't be doing it if we didn't care. Okay. We want to take care of people. That, that's ultimately what it's all about. And I think that what we can't get lost in all of this is the human touch. And the fact that that resident and family, when they're at that threshold and they're about to cross, they're in, a, in an incredibly fearful and vulnerable place that only we have the ability to alleviate. So the more technology that we introduce that makes it complex is not what we want to do. It, technology that makes things easier that 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 makes it more dignified that keeps people together and gives admissions coordinators more time to be connected and physically speaking with them and getting customized needs and making sure that they feel loved and cared for and on top of is that's what we're talking about we don't want them if i can take all the time that a that a that a, an admissions coordinator is writing the name of the resident on 150 sheets of paper or tracking and chasing and searching and manually updating spreadsheets and so on and so forth, all that time and 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 turn it into you know 20 percent of their time instead of 75 percent of their time all that extra time hopefully will go to netflix making people making people feel taken care of no setting up, <laughs> setting up netflix for the resident oh okay you know what i mean but, but making people feel taken care of, yeah. making them feel like they're not walking into hell, making them feel like there's actually something here. There's actually people here that care, that have time for me, that want to hear about me, that care about my preferences, that that patient-centered care isn't just a, a, a verbiage. It's actually what we what we practice here in this facility. And wow. and really and really what it comes down to, the like kind of again, the 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 why, the heart behind this whole reside concept is not so that we can solve a COVID-19 pro problem and, and put it out into the market so that everything can be done remotely. It's actually the total opposite. 
-hmm. What we're trying to do is we're trying to take away manual labor and replace it with caring connection. And, that, and, and, that's, and that's what we need in long-term care. That's what we're missing is that if, if every resident had another hour of somebody's time to get settled, could you imagine the difference that that person would feel going mm -hmm. into one of the scariest environments they've ever been in? Well, well, and it's, it's, it's good to see. It's, it's refreshing maybe to see your passion for this uh, industry. And how this is not coming, this is not coming from a, a place of, you know, wh what's my next uh, business innovation? This is how can I really improve this industry, which is so underappreciated. Um, right. I know that even now, I'm just looking now, I just had a chance to pull up the, some of the comments here on the side. And um, some of our colleagues in the nursing home world are writing, I'm not going to call out any names, but I, for some reason they may have misunderstood that we thought that they're working from home. Of course they're not working from home. Um, you know, the CNAs, the DON, LPN, RNs are the soldiers on the front line. They are. Or, or like someone else wrote, uh, Simcha Cohen, call him out, why not? A few people appreciate the unbelievable dedication of long-term long -term staff. Oh, wow. He wrote a lot. But this is so true. Um, there is no glory, just an inner need to do the right thing. You guys are the best part. Uh, this is true um, in so many ways, and people really, really don't realize it, especially right now. Uh, you know, okay. with the, uh, 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 oh my gosh, we're really running late here. But let me just let's wrap it up over here a little. Well, let, me, let, let me just close out on your your comment that you just made. Is one of the one of the main comments that we get when we go into a facility is the admissions coordinators. They look at us when they see our product and they go, oh, my God, you thought of us? You thought of us? Oh, my God. Because you're right. The nurses and the doctors, they get a lot of attention. And the CNAs, you know, ultimately, they're the, they're the heroes and they're the, they're the people and they're the healthcare providers and all the, all the, all, all the drawings and the memes. And they're all out there with the, the, you know, the nurses and the doc. And it's, and it's all true. Totally, totally true. But then these, there's these unsung heroes that are doing things in the background to cue things up. And they look at us and they go, wow, you built something that would make my life easier? Thank you. Amazing. Amazing. And it's, that's what it's all about, man. Yeah. And uh, even now, right, the admissions coordinators, the business office managers, the maintenance directors, the housekeepers who right. are – you you know, the general population might not identify as healthcare providers. They're going yeah. in now also, they're exposing themselves to all the, all the challenges that exist in, in a healthcare environment, specifically with COVID-19. Hopefully it's not in their facilities. Hopefully it stays out of any facilities that still don't have it. Uh, and they're coming home to their families and disinfecting yeah. and dealing yeah. with, Very or tough. some of them are not coming home to their families because they're too concerned and they're making, uh, you know, alternate arrangements and that applies to administrators too. It applies to everyone, um, and, you know, and they are an, an underappreciated uh, group. And for the most part, you know, they're not doing it for the money. I used to, you know, if you think about the, the pay and the responsibility of a nurse's aide or a housekeeper and, uh, wow. Think about what they're so doing, true. and if if they wanted to if they wanted to make the same money, you know, you cannot deal with DPH, you cannot deal with family members, you cannot deal with some of the work with uh, which others might consider degrading and you know demoralizing, and they could be flipping burgers down the block, and they could they could switch anytime they want to another burger place, and they can even work their way up to manage. They do whatever they want 
without any of the seriousness of what they're doing in, in a healthcare facility. And they choose not to because they care and because this is something that's important to them. Uh, we're way over our time limit here, which is wonderful. Um, before we let you go, Ari, um, where is the best place to send people if they want to learn more about you, about your company, about your product, and any final thoughts you want to leave us with? Uh, yeah, thank you very much. You guys can go to Reside Admissions. It's R-E-S-I-D-E and the word admissions.com. Um, you can also go on YouTube. We've got three videos there, the 53-second teaser, as well as the three minutes on the dashboard, and then the opening video that residents experience if they are going to do it autonomously. They're all there on YouTube. Um, I appreciate it, Shmuel. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to be here. It was a lot, a lot of fun. And uh, ultimately, I think that you know, in, in, our, in our world of long-term care, where you know, everybody in it, to your point, is, is there because they have the spirit of helping um, I think that the world that we're headed to now, uh, it's a struggle in long-term care now, as you know. Um, so any form of technology that is there in the form of helping um, is really something to be paying attention to um, because it's, uh, it's something that's going to stick. So again, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it and uh, have a great day. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Our... Now that you've enjoyed this episode of the Nursing Home Podcast, I'd really appreciate if you'd rate this podcast and let everyone else know what an amazing resource this is for those wanting to learn anything and everything about the nursing home industry. So head on over to ratethispodcast.com slash nursing home. Again, ratethispodcast.com slash nursing home. Leave me a review and let the world know what an amazing show this truly is. Thank you so much for listening and make sure to stay tuned and subscribe so you don't miss any other episodes.